Hello and welcome to Property Matters, a weekly look at all matters property designed to be of interest to anyone who has an interest in property. And Property Matters is supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. As you know, each week we talk through the big property stories of the week and chat from time to time to a variety of property professionals. So we'd love you to get involved in the conversation where possible by adding your thoughts in the comments section wherever you're enjoying the show today. And of course, don't forget to like our page and subscribe to our channel so you automatically get the reminders for when new shows go live. And Property Matters is now available in podcast form, we're pleased to say, and available as a download every Monday following the Sunday broadcast. Simply type Property Matters TV into your favourite podcast app and you'll find us there. Also, we'd like to welcome those people enjoying the show on Catch Up via the weekly mail out every Monday. It's great to see more and more people doing that each week. Uh, so let's get to the news with uh, our property expert, Joe Joshi. Great to have a podcast, Joe, at last. Yeah, it's uh, it's moving in the right direction, Paul. You know, people have been <laughs> asking, they, 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 they said uh, to me a couple of times, shall I say more than a few times, that uh, they do like the look of us on a, on a Sunday morning, and but they often don't get the chance to... Uh, admire those good looks and charms that we actually come up with so they like to just um, have us plugged into their ears and, and listen to all that stuff that we come up with uh, week in week out so uh, uh, podcast listeners uh, you know you've got us in your ears now so you're all right you'd be, you'd be happy with that yeah most people seem to think they prefer to hear us not see us so yeah. <laughs> which is fair enough <laughs> so let's uh, let's get into the news this week um we've turned the new month of course so that means the new zoopla uh uk house price index for april has been uh released um the the big news is that the average house price now exceeds 250,000 for the first time with annual growth of 8.4%. New supply coming to the market is starting to rise up 7% on the 5-year average. Uh, behind strong headline price growth there are signs the market's softening taking price growth to just 0.3 by the end of the year so they're forecasting 3% this year. Asking prices have been cut by 5% or more on 1 in 20 homes uh, listed for sale in the four weeks to mid-May and the average time to sell is also starting to rise from record lows for most types of properties. It seems, Joe, that the property market is finally catching up with what the rest of us already know about. That's just, it's just catching up. But uh, the, the good thing is that, of course, um, look at the demand side of it. People still want to, I mean, I still get, you know, as many calls about wanting to get into property uh, in whatever shape or form they can. Um, but yes, the stats are showing that it's waning a little bit, probably in line with what would normally would happen. Um, um, when you have a good market, there's always a, a, a sort of a tailoring off a, 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 at the end of it. And we're kind of going through that now. And there are so many reasons um, that we're going through that at this moment in time. Of course, the you know, country's on a, a, a higher inflation at the moment. Uh, the Ukraine war, it's uh, probably lasted longer than we thought it was going to. Um, and so all of those factors plugged in are maybe sort of putting a little bit of a, a stop on the on the property market. But that doesn't say um, that uh, people are, are not interested. There is still a lot of interest. Um, and it's the case of the right pickings now, isn't it? It's the case of saying, well, is this or you know going to become a buyer's market as opposed to a seller's market these things have a, a habit of changing every so often all depending on the economics of the country um at that time 
it's not a, an even playing field. There's an element of levelling up. It does seem that lots of uh, prospective buyers have been looking for areas where prices would seem to be a bargain. Presumably, that's going to be investors, I would imagine. Um, so it's not an even story across the um, across the country. For, for example, the 15th consecutive month, Wales leads the way. So the house price growth there is 11.6%. However, it marks a decline from the 13% growth registered in February. Average prices are up 10.5% in the southwest and 10.2% in the East Midlands. You get 9.7% in Bournemouth, Nottingham and uh, Liverpool are in double figures. Uh, and yet London is just 3.6. So it does seem that people are looking for a bargain. Yeah, and I think, you know, <clears throat> we've got to always try and take this focus away from London because London is the centre of the universe as far as property is concerned in the UK. Everybody sort of refers to London. It's the ripple effect of London normally. Uh, if things are going well in London, then it starts to go out. But uh, the pandemic changed the rules a little bit because there was a separate drive of why people ended up moving further out. Uh, working from home was, was a, a, another message that came along. Um, having more space, um, traveling made, made it e easier and difficult depending on how you want to see it. So there was a whole bunch of reasons over the last few years that changed the way that we start to, to work. Whereas traditionally it was always about what London did. If London was sneezing, you know, the rest of the country was catching a cold situation. And, um, and so, but that has um, uh, changed, though it will come back, but perhaps not in, in as, as bigger droves as it has done traditionally. Whereas now the attraction is um, about the rest of the country. It, there is the, you know, like Wales, for example, has done you know, really well in consecutive months uh, for, for the time it's been doing the price rises, the price increases. And of course, Midlands. I mean, you know, the future for the Midlands, the, a hub um, for what it's worth in, in a lot of new employment, a lot, not a lot of new ways that people are beginning to understand. Don't forget, we were also an industrial um, country. We used to manufacture and make a lot of things. Um, and Midlands were, you know, renowned for that sort of thing. And London has now become a financial centre. And, and there is still a different kind of growth that is happening in towards the Midlands and to the north of the country. Um, and so in terms of levelling up, but it's interesting, you know, you say that um, £250,000, a quarter of a million pounds, um, is the average house price. We say quarter of a million pounds. Um, it's a number that sort of is hard to digest when you think that, you know, the average house is now a quarter of a million pounds. Looking back, I was having a conversation the other day, just completely away from the subject, about a millionaire. What was the millionaire? What was seen as a millionaire was like a, a good thing. You know, you've done well because you were a millionaire, but it's now, I think that's moved up to a billionaire rather than a millionaire. Because mm. if you look at a quarter of a million pound per average property, and some people have three or four or five properties in their portfolio, in that sense, they became millionaires, which was quite a, quite a big reach back 30, 40, 50 years ago, you know, to become a millionaire. But now it's mm. the norm. Um, you know, the average person is probably theoretically a millionaire through property assets or other assets. Um, and um, so it's quite, quite sort of um, refreshing to see that the average house price is now a quarter of a million pounds. When you look at that side of it, there's another side of that you've got to think about. And that is, 
you know, how are the younger ones going to ever get on that ladder when they think that, you know, their target is now a quarter of a million pound as an average. That's just an average. You know, there are cheaper properties elsewhere in the country. But the point is that, you know, when you have that as a benchmark to sort of think about, that's, uh, that's a pretty steep climb for people to go to. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, I think that uh, when you look at um, the reasons why uh, the demand has been there and the change has been there has been driven by what's happened in the last few years. It's an interesting debate to have here really about whether it's a good time to buy or a good time to sell. I mean, if we look at some of the data in there, in those um, detail in the data, um, you know, one in 20 listings have been repriced in the last, 20, last uh, month. Uh, the average price reduction is 9%. That equates to a reduction of £22,500. Uh, on the other side of the coin, the mortgage payment has uh, risen. Average price property has risen by £71 a month or £852 a year. The average income needed to secure a mortgage on a £250,000 property based on 4.5 times income has also risen by 4500 over the same period. So it's it's still not good news for those looking to get on the ladder. But is it going to be a, um, a buyer's market or a seller's market to go for, given that we're going to be looking at growth over the year of just 3%? I think for the time being, it's still very much a seller's market because... Um, the demand for property is high and the supply is um, somewhat limited um, mm. uh, going forward at this precise moment in time. Not to say that that may not change perhaps towards the end of the year, early part of next year, all depending on where certain things that are happening in the world um, happen and, and decide to go. But uh, it's definitely not a buyer's market in my mind because there isn't the supply. If the supply was, you know, heavy, we had loads and loads of instructions coming through, then the choice would be much wider and the buyers will, will be in a position to chop and change and negotiate and, and bargain and do all sorts of things in order to become a buyer's market. But because the supply is still stark, I mean, if you look at the numbers, which I'm sure you've, you're going to come up with, the numbers are, you know, very high in terms of the supply. There's just still a big demand for buyers, but there's a limited number of, of instructions coming, though they are coming in, but then they're still, you know, not as, as heavy as they would like to be. So that um, um, I think at the moment, it's still a seller's market, albeit we're not getting the gains um, as they were uh, a couple of years ago. Um, but I think it's still, still a, 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 the best investment you're gonna make. Indeed. Um, and it's interesting to see that they don't expect a raft of forced sales in 2022, which is usually the trigger for, for price falls on a, on, a, on a large scale, isn't it, Joe? Well, the forced sale situation would have come in for a number of reasons, but that isn't the case. So, yes, the Bank of England rate has gone up, but it, people have probably been kind of expecting that. So they're not that's not causing the huge amount. The only um, forced sale scenarios that exist will probably be where landlords and tenants have had disputes going on for some time and they are maybe successful in getting court hearings and court for repossession orders in order to be able to move them on. But other than that, there's not a great um, deal that is causing that problem. And obviously, there's going to be things that are personal circumstances, circumstances that are not, you know, uh, a generic to the whole marketplace. There might be just one or two people that might have a personal circumstances 
that makes a forced sale. Um, and repossession-wise, I don't think the numbers are actually getting to the level where um, repossessions are going to be high. So I, I, I don't think that's going to cause a problem at this precise moment in time um, going forward. So price growth uh, at 8.4%, um, uh, the uh, the figure falling off from February into April and uh, the curve really starting to turn the other way um, despite all the growth since June 2020. Um, then over December 20 to 20, April 21, we had a sort of a flat period, I guess. That was in the next lockdown, wasn't it, of course? And then we uh, rocketed off from June last year. Um, time to sell, um, as it says here, a three-bedroom house moving from uh, 16 days to 18 days, two-bed flats, 21 days to 22 days, three-bed house in London, 17 days. It used to be, it's now 20 days. And uh, two-bed flats in London, interestingly, selling quicker than, so bucking the trend, really. And um, the last data, so demand starting to soften for houses outside London, so um, Demand for houses is down 2%, uh, whereas flats is up 8%. <laughs> Almost uh, completely the opposite to when the when the pandemic started. In London, it's the flats that people want, 16%, um, and London houses, 2%. So that's the devil in the detail for this, uh, this month's Zoopla report. Always nice to find out where our investments are going, of course. Um, and a couple of stories coming up, Joe, that we found in Mortgage Solutions um, online publication. Um, interesting one, this one. Brokers have suggested that borrowers' frustrations with remortgages, which is not something we've covered a lot on here on Property Matters, um, are often down to their own misconceptions around what's involved, as well as issues with the solo legal firm. One in five people apparently abandon the remortgage process due to delays or other frustrations. That's something I didn't realise. It's have a chat about remortgaging, Joe. Um, have you had experience of it being such a frustrating process? Yes, I think the thing with remortgages is a good subject to bring uh, bring to the table today, um, and especially in in lieu of the conversation we've just had with potential um, shortage of property and also perhaps the slowing down of, of the number of people that are now moving. Um, this comes into a time where uh, people start to sort of reevaluate what they should have. In fact, they probably don't reevaluate it often enough. It's normally a last minute ditch, um, depending on several things. One normally is a uh, interest rate, um, fixed rate. So they may have had a fixed rate for say last three to four or five years. And now it's come to a point where they need to uh, maybe refix it again, or perhaps consider refinancing it, remortgaging it with another lender uh, who may offer more favorable terms going forward. Um, the other thing is, of course, people start to consider, it's the summertime, people start to consider um, extensions and developing their properties. So often it's, it's put in the bag for, for a winter period, but come summer, they'll say, okay, well, I've, I've been meaning to put that side extension or, or, or you know, put a new roof on or all the major costs that any home will have. And it's at that point they either consider remortgaging and releasing some money um, and, and adjusting their costs or um, going back to their existing lender for what they call a further advance um, and maybe deciding at that point that there, there is a better deal to be done or fix a, a longer rate. So. But it's not something that is marketed and advertised well. It's not something that is 
sold well, encouraged well. Uh, a lot of people uh, used to, you know, go to a separate loan company um, and actually go to a, a, a second charge post potential to say, look, I wanted a 25, 30,000 pound loan to do an extension on my property and they will then have a loan attached to it. There are minuses and pluses with that and the minuses are that obviously the loan would cost you probably quite a little bit more and maybe over a shorter period, over five years. But the reason why you've gone there is because someone said that that was a better way to deal with it. So let's say you're going to put a, a conservatory on your house, add a conservatory, the company that's dealing with the conservatory may turn around and say, look, we can get you a, a loan with a loan company, which will be a second charge effectively on that. And it's over five years for argument's sake. And, you know, it's quicker, easier and so forth. And it's the quicker, easier and so forth that you've got to really bear in mind. The question is, is the quicker, easier and so forth cost effective or not? Whereas you could probably go back to your lender, existing lender, and say to them, I'd like a further advance. Now, if you take a further advance, it might be that there's enough equity in your property and the lender might be quite happy to increase an 80,000 mortgage to maybe a 150,000 pound mortgage um, and, and extend either the terms or change change the, the fixed rate. So, you know, people don't look at it that way. Now, there are problems and there are pitfalls with those, and I'm sure that those part of those will be the questions there, but the pitfalls are always about your credit position. Um, and, and that's what um, changes those things. So if someone has had an adverse situation between the time they originally took the first mortgage and now are considering a remortgage or potentially a further advance, they may find that that credit score or that credit situation will deter them from getting what they want. So they then go out of that zone from their existing lender to another lender, check what the situation is, maybe find that that lender is prepared to lend you more money, but at a higher rate rather than a lower rate because obviously your circumstances your personal circumstances have made that um, possible to charge a higher rate or you go to a another loan company who then takes a charge and it becomes expected. so there, there's there's a lot of things that are involved in in looking at the refinance and remortgage side of things um but i i agree then and i'm glad that we brought the subject to the table it's not something that people seriously think about and look look at it's it's interesting that um, um, a number of advisors who work for um, these remortgage companies say that lender admin has been appalling over the last couple of years, often because staff have been working from home. Um, and the suggestion is, well, if the advisors are finding that they're tearing their hair out over the service, then goodness, goodness knows what the borrowers are thinking. Um, but there is this perception, it seems, by a lot of people that just because they've been um, accepted for a mortgage by lender X, that if they then go and look at lender Y, um, that they should they would automatically get accepted without any further credit checks, like you mentioned. Uh, the fact that they got, um, you know, uh, I suppose uh, um, um, approved five years ago when their fix comes to an end and they want to look for something else or they want to, as you say, take more money, then uh, there is it, it's not a given that you're going to walk straight through into into a new lender without uh, going through the whole application process again. It's quite scary, to be honest with you, because, um, yes, five years ago, you might have got an approval and you're, you're there, you've got your home sorted out and you've got your, your borrowing done. But you decide that you want to 
do an extension or do something else or release the money for something else that you might want to buy, um, then that becomes an issue um, as a remortgage. But that's why I say that th th there has not been enough education uh, in my mind in this at all, because the main prime um, marketing education goes for first time buyers or buy to let. You can buy an investment property. Here's a buy to let mortgage or here's a first time buyer mortgage. They've never talked really about refinancing. Part of it is because I think it becomes difficult to refinance. And the other part is most people plan to pay their mortgage off that they've got. So they never think about remortgaging it or, or taking a, a further advance out from their own property because they manage to bring the mortgage down if they're doing a repayment or they think, well, you know, my house has gone up and I've got that equity in it. Um, and I don't particularly want to dilute that equity because that's my future. So once I have cleared it off, then I know that all of that mortgage money that I'm paying out becomes my own money and, and I can live off of that as opposed to having to pay my mortgage. So this is a mindset that goes through there, but equally they could take out the money that they've made in the property and invest that wisely either into another buy to let property or invest it elsewhere, which might give them a better return. Um, but in terms of, you know, credibility, the credit score is the be all and end all now, in all honesty. Um, if you haven't got a good credit score, then the chances of you getting borrowing from even your existing lender is pretty difficult. You know, if they see that they do a search on you and you've had some sort of telephone bill that you haven't paid or something's come up and it's now marked you as a bad creditor, your existing lender is likely to say to you, we're not prepared to lend. And actually, that's always a good point to start because if they're not prepared to lend, the chances are the next person who is going to lend, if they do, are going to charge you more money. So mm. be prepared for that. Um, but they might, they might consider a further advance. And that means that basically go back to the same lender and just say to them, can I add from 80 to 20 more thousand on my existing mortgage? And that makes it a hundred thousand and you've already got the security you've already got you know you know know us we've been paying you on time and time throughout the last five six years and more than anything else you're saving yourself a lot of money in trying to do the remortgage and a lot of heartache and the pain because time is also money so you might actually save 0.01 percent in the in the in the grand sum but actually, you probably pay through the nose by the time you've added legal costs, surveying costs, brokerage fees, etc. All of a sudden, it's not as attractive. Only the underlining number looks attractive, but the actual cost of getting there is not as attractive. So do, do talk to your uh, mortgage advisors. Of course, I have to say that I am not a mortgage advisor. I am not here to give product knowledge, etc. It's just a general opinion that one is giving, but you do need to speak to a financial advisor who is qualified to give you guidance in the right and particular products that you may be interested in. It's, it's interesting that um, a lot of the experts are saying that the conveyancing pro process is often the point of frustration for brokers and customers alike. Um, and unfortunately, Joe, far too many people opt for the free legals, um, which is uh, in the main very poor and then, of course, people complain and get frustrated when they don't go as quickly and as smoothly as they think. 
and um, just paying that, that little bit of extra to get the service done quickly would have given you probably more bang for your buck in the long run. But it is the um, the conveyancing and legal process that uh, really is, um, well, we've already talked about this on here, haven't we? Archaic and cumbersome at best and impossibly slow at times. And obviously, you know, if you're not going to pay for a service, you get that kind of service that you deserve. Well, this is this is the point. I mean, conveyancing is 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 the bane of everybody's life. To be perfectly honest with you, um, it slows the process down way and beyond. Um, I know from experience um, that it's not as cumbersome as it's made out to be. We know that if you really want to do something, it can be done, and it can be done in days and weeks as opposed to months it takes. There is no such thing as a free lunch. So anybody thinks that they're getting a free conveyance, forget that they're going to get pain for three to six months. And is that three to six months worth the pain of a free conveyance, which is actually still going to cost you? So um, it's not it's not so much about the freeness. It's the fact that that free is going to cost time and time, of course, is money. And I think that uh, people do look at these packages. Um, and that's why I'm saying that it might be worth considering some sort of uh, further advance if you want to do that. Um, but if you want to remortgage and you want to remortgage for a lower or better or fixed rate, um, then obviously don't go for the free option. Um, you know, use a conveyance that is actually going to get on with the job. The, the second uh, thing that you must bear in mind with the conveyances is that um, a good percentage of them are not, and I'll say this, are not on the panels of the lenders. They cannot be there. The lenders have changed their policies um, as to how many partners in a firm and how, what sort of indemnity insurance that firm has before they even consider allowing them to do the conveyance. So forget about free. You know, if you haven't got a solicitor, so if you've got a solicitor that says to you, oh, I can charge you X, Y, Z, you need to really understand, are they actually on the panel of the lenders? Because if not, then the building society or the bank you go to are going to charge you another set of fees for their solicitor so you choose to have yours because he's your buddy and your mate and then they'll choose one and you're going to have to pay for that or that's going to be added to your so there's no free in this um the free is added to your actual loan when you see the statement at the end it will show that this was the cost of setting a survey this was cost for the conveyancing this was the cost of X, Y, Z. And by the way, we'll just add that to your mortgage. So, so it's not free, it's going to be added um, to the mortgage. No such thing as a free lunch. No, indeed. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's accepted that lenders need to complete these days a fair amount of due diligence before they literally depart of uh, hundreds of thousands of pounds. Um, but surely more can be done uh, with existing data more easily and make it available for uh, a new borrower to look at the information that was used in the first place. Um, and it was actually um, a quote this week from Martin Stewart, who's director of London Money. He said, uh, until all those involved in our sector get around the table, shelve their own vested interests and start to understand that they are all sides of the same coin, then we'll continue to suffer the same challenging mortgage environment. But I live in hope, and I do like this, I live in hope, as I dare say, there'll be another housing minister along next week to fix it all. <laughs> of course. 
course. <laughs> well, Arwan at the moment's too worried about levelling up than anything to do with remodeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, the ch change will come along and it'll be a fix it all or something. I'd rather level it all. <laughs> I, I agree with it. So that was a great quote there. So, uh, so there we are. So just uh, a little bit of uh, care and attention to the remortgaging process and maybe just uh, read up on it before um, considering it. Um, and our final story kind of comes on from that uh, this week, uh, Joe. 98% of consumers want upfront buying information. Now, of course, as you well know, you're used to this because you have it in the auction contract. But of course, the problem we've got is that everybody wants to see, and it does make sense, if you're buying a house that you can see all the information before you say yes to buying it, uh, rather than saying yes to buying it, then find out half of it's not what you wanted. So you pull out, of course, which is what happens at the moment. Um, but the situation is that 98% of people want that information up front. But the question is, who's going to pay for it, Joe? Always a question. Um, and it really should be the seller uh, that should actually stump up that in the first case, uh, in my opinion. Number one, they have the equity and they already, uh, they've got a start um, uh, on the run of the ladder. They're up the scale. They're probably on you know run number 32, bought and sold many times, got enough equity. Mm -hmm. And in the grand scheme, when you look at um, what, what we're talking about, we're talking about 500 to 1,000 uh, pounds towards costs for bringing up a legal pack or some of the basic information that they need to provide to a buyer to make a comfortably informed decision about whether they want to proceed with the purchase of that particular property or not then you put that against time so if somebody says i don't want to do that and then you start doing the process six months down the road the buyer could lose out and the seller could lose out why is that the buyer could lose out because the seller may have had a higher offer in that six months so all the time that the buyer has actually spent trying to get his mortgage, trying to get his solicitor to do the work, and trying to get the contract across, trying and waiting for the search. Somebody comes along and says, actually, I want to pay £5,000 more for that. So the seller will say, well, actually, it's my interest to sell it to this guy for £5,000 more. And therefore, the buyer will lose out. Equally, if the buyer takes too long, the seller could lose out because they might have got another offer, but they morally felt that they want to make sure that they stick to the buyer and the buyer hasn't done anything or their solicitor has done it. Again, unfortunately, Paul, as much as I hate to put the, the blame at the doorstep of the convincers, it is the convincing system that is the central to all of this. Um, and they want to charge, obviously, and I think that the seller has to. If they want a job done, they need to get a legal pack, a comprehensive legal pack put up up front in order to be able to make sure that they get the best possible price in the sh shortest time and the seller actually proceed. Time is money, uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the day, but we kind of forget that, and that's the problem. Um, it's, I don't want to do that. And I always think, and being an auctioneer and looking through that, and I've had the experience of being an, an agency uh, as, as, as an ordinary private treaty sales estate agent as to an auctioneer, and I can tell you, it is just a breath of fresh air when you can actually get a legal pack up front, send it to somebody, and they say, yes, we'd like to buy it. And they send you the money and, they, and, and it's done. And it's, it's, it's that when you look at it and say, well, it's perfectly possible to do this. Why doesn't this happen? And the irony of it is talk to the customers, talk to the people that went through that experience. And they say, I wish somebody told me that earlier and I would have done it this way because I would have saved six months. I've been on the market for six months, 12 months, had three or four fall throughs. 
and no one tells me what the problem is. It's just that, oh, they changed their mind or uh, the survey came up with a, a you know valuation lower than they expected, so they couldn't get the mortgage and so and and so on. Whereas if they had most of that information up front, it's quite possible that they would have been able to understand their broker would be able to say to the to the lender that this is the these are the details of the property instead of them waiting to get a survey around there who then walks around and deals with it. And so so any information that's going to give you a head start, any mm. information that's going to kill time reduce the time of the process has got to be a good thing and yes it will be an argument but the sellers will actually recoup that and there's nothing stopping a seller recouping that perhaps in the end because in the auction world it is very possible to recoup your costs from the buyer if you provide that information up front it's a standard thing but in private treaty it's not possible they don't do it but if it was made possible um, and a genuine sale was to happen then i'm not sure that buyers would be totally adverse to paying a little bit more towards the Eagles in order to get the job done. This was a survey done by Conveyancing Association alongside uh, Home Buying and Selling Group and also the Times newspaper, by the way. Um, they asked the question, 98% of people agree with you, Joe, that, uh, um, that nearly three quarters of them um, say the seller should provide or pay for the information. Uh, but what's interesting about this, um, actually, Joe, is uh, not just who should pay for it, but also surely the role of the agent, the advisor, the conveyancer will all change in terms of provision if it's done the other way around. And of course, the conveyancing association, not the conveyancing association, but conveyancing as an industry seems to be very slow to change. And that's because of education, Paul. I mean, most estate agents, the younger estate agents are not uh, trained. They're not got the um, understanding of the conveyancing system. You know, they are salespeople and they're there to sell a property. They're not there to look at the whole um, process. They, they don't understand the process. I mean, you know, I've done this for many years and, and therefore I know the process. But a lot of young guys don't know the process. They, they are driven by the number of sales. So, they, so it's about putting, you know, block A and block B together to make sure we can actually get block C into this. And that's how it, how it works. So, so it's on the market, there's a buyer and there's a seller and they want to marry that situation, put that in, into a, a memorandum of sale and stick it into the hands of the solicitor and hope and pray that one day that sale actually happens. Whereas if, if they were actually educated and, and, and shown about the system and understand it, they will be way ahead, way ahead in this. Some of the most simplest things actually put you way ahead. Lucky now, I'm going, you know, showing my age here. We used to have to consider to get the deeds from the building society in order to be able to get a contract drawn up. So that process of getting the deed in itself was quite a long process. So to just give you a little bit of a taste of the journey and instruction will be taken. I'll go around to somebody's house, take it on after the valuation and then tell them that if we're going to put it on the market, they need to instruct their solicitor. They normally never instructed their solicitor until a sale had happened. A sale was agreed. So let's say I took it on at the beginning of like, let's say today's the 2nd of June, you know, and the sale actually happened um, 10th or 15th of June. At that time, so that's another 10, 15 days that have been completely wasted. At that time, they would instruct a solicitor. That solicitor will go through his 
and he will then go to the building society and the building society will go to their archive and get the copy of the deeds and send it back to the solicitor. The solicitor will then drop the draft, draft conference. So a month has been completely wasted in pure communication. I've got to get this bit from that bit. Whereas if you actually instructed the solicitor, the, the agent instructed the solicitor at the time of the instruction. So I used to be able to go to a property and so take the instruction. I'd have a typed out instruction letter with, with a solicitor, with a owner's signature and say to them, if you sign this, I'll instruct the solicitor as well today. It's not going to cost you anything because he'll get the deeds done. I advanced that by a month by simply getting that instruction. There. So that's part of an education, but that education is not available always to the young, enthusiastic sales negotiators. And so it's, it, to my mind, it's education that is important, even at this level and at this time and how to move that process forward. If they could do that, the chances are we could speed up the process, um, but that's not there. That's not why it's there. Yes, yeah, so just to clarify that uh, those, uh, those figures, 98% uh, of consumers do want it to change to the situation that we'll have upfront information, and three quarters of them say that they think the seller should pay for it. So that was the uh, the findings on the survey. Um, what's interesting is that uh, there's no doubt in people's minds that actually having that clarity up front would make the whole process a lot easier for everyone, but it's going to have to involve the government getting involved to, to, to change the law. And of course, again, so many vested interests around the table. I don't suspect we'll probably see that all too soon. Do you think, Joe? No, but uh, if you want to and you feel that you know, want to move property and want to get on with it, then give me a call and I will assist you and make it happen much, much quicker. Don't worry about the laws changing. It, 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 exists, it exists now and it can happen. Um, and uh, I'd only be, too, only be too delighted to be able to assist you. And then you can come on the programme and tell everybody how quickly it was done. And that leads us nicely into uh, Deptford High Street, of all places. Uh, Joe, we have a property of the week. Um, which is um, on the high street, 47 to 49. So a couple of uh, units, shop units with flats above by the look of it uh, with a minimum opening bid of 650,000. So tell us all about that, Joe. Uh, Deptford High Street, um, South East London, um, you know, buzzing, thriving little um, high street. Um, a great opportunity here for a uh, developer. Um, property has got uh, a couple of shops downstairs, uh, nothing too grand, um, and scope for a double-storey uh, extensions above, providing, I think, uh, up to six flats in total um, that they can have. Um, and um, great, you know, I mean, it's superb investment. Guide price was £650,000. Obviously, make me an offer I can't refuse. Uh, available on our website, www.auctionproperty.co.uk. Uh, all the information is there. Uh, please uh, go there directly and get that. You'll see at that point uh, some of the drawings of the potential de uh, development and, of course, pictures of um, how wonderful it looks right now as it is. It's a definite dream of a doer-upper um, and um, scope to develop and scope to um, have a good portfolio, commercial and residential. If you want to keep them when you've done them and have them rented out, um, fantastic location, uh, high demand in London, as you know. So um, a great, great opportunity uh, coming into our auction on the 19th of July, but happy to sell prior. Um, 
if you make me the right offer. Well, that just about wraps it up for this week, Joe. Um, don't forget, of course, you can now listen to us on that podcast. I think we're available on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, uh, I think TuneIn. Um, so all the major providers. Um, Google will come online just as soon as they can wake up and realise that we're asking. Um, but uh, they're all there for you to uh, enjoy the programme. And if you're watching on the uh, catch-up during the week via the email, uh, great to see you all there and enjoying the show as well. We'll be back live next Sunday at the same time, 10 a.m. 